Welcome, everybody. Howard Lindzen. It is uh, October. Let me just check because uh, it's been a long day. Joe, what day is it? Seventh. October seventh, and this is Howard Tuesday. Lindzen. We're going to do a uh, a really deep dive into the market here. I think it calls for it. Uh, a little bit of uh, surprise and a touch of panic today. Last week. Uh, the fear and greed index over on our friends site CNN Money uh, flash three or something. So there was a lot of panic. I didn't feel it myself. Uh, we rallied and now we're I think below. Uh, I don't think the panic's aside, but we're below the lows of last week. And I wanted to call on my friend Joe Fami, uh, who walks like an Egyptian but trades like a <laughs> Jewish person. Joe, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for the intro. That's that's great. Well, at least I introduce you. Sometimes I just do the show myself and I forget there's a guest. So, utmost uh, respect that I actually even introduced you. That's that's a compliment. Thank you. So, Joe and I go way back, back uh, way back into the early 2013. No, where do we go back? 09, 08, 07? Eight or nine. Yeah, we rang the bell at the NASDAQ together, like five, six. We rang years. the bell at the NASDAQ, and I'm talking about the live bell. This wasn't something we did in a hotel's tonight room at midnight. <laughs> we weren't ringing each other's bells, but we rang. This is when StockTwits rang the opening bell at the NASDAQ? Yeah, we did that in August of 09, I think. 08, 09. This is why I love you. I have a memory like my wife. I don't even remember what I had for dinner last night, so you're really <laughs> stretching it asking me five years back. Anybody, everybody in the Lindzen family is a fan of Joe Fahmy. You take Max Bowling, go to Lakers games, Clips games. Joe's, are, Joe's Max's uncle. Ellen approves, which is always important for a guy. Of course. The, the wife approves of the men. Um, we've, we've tried hooking you up with girls. Max... Max interfered Max with that Max one. Max he got Max lost in the maneuver. We would set Max up a perfect date. What was the name of the restaurant, Joe? I, I don't even remember. Max Elia. takes him away from me. Elia's on the Upper East. We were off for a fantastic evening, and Max's phone died in the middle of an Uber attempt in somewhere in Brooklyn, and had to go looking for him, and Joe didn't get any that night. Yeah, what the, a shame. The, uh, so the markets, Joe, October 7th. What do we see? You are my intermediate-term trend uh, friend, uh, the power of stock twitches. Other people are doing the work. People have done all this work every day as a routine. So, Joe, what are we seeing? Take your time. What are we seeing? Well, I wrote a um, blog post about um, market patterns on JoeFami.com, and and I. That's right. It's at J F A H M Y at J Fami, and it's the name of the blog, Joe. Sorry. The blog is my name, JoeFami.com. Joe Infamy. Infamy one day, but Joe Farmy. <laughs> I wrote a post called The Market Pattern in the Last Two Years, and it is basically saying that the market goes on this run of about three to six weeks, and then it's just a nonstop grind up, and then when there, it's very low volatility. And then when it gets a little bit too stretched from the averages, when people get a little too giddy, a little too bullish measured by different sentiment measures, it starts to stall out. And that's happened, this happened so many times, over about 10 times over the last two years. Then when it starts to stall out, the leaders start to break down and the normal warning signs of weakness start to come in, which is leaders break down, 
the major averages correct down to or below their 50-day, you start to see some distribution in the market. Now, this is the key part which might be changing this time, is that when those warning signs come up, in the past, I'd say about nine or ten times in the last two years, this magical bid shows up. When everything looks horrible and it looks like we're all done, this magical bid shows up and then we repeat the pattern of a three to six week grind up all the way to new highs. And it frustrates the longs because there's no real volume behind it and it frustrates the shorts because there isn't a downtick for you know, two or three weeks or longer. Um, the difference this time is, and this is a key question I have to you, Howard, is do you think part of that magical bid is due to QE or not. In other words, when the market starts to break down and you've seen this nonstop grind just when everything looks horrible, this nonstop grind to new highs, do you think part of the reason for that is Fed intervention or part of it is QE? You know, when I started my hedge fund, Joe, in 98, I knew so little. And one of the first lessons I learned because I was trading long and short because I thought I knew something was that uh, you have to get on side of the printing press. And that that that's held true pretty well uh, until the last crisis. Because in the last crisis, I never turned it off. 08, uh, we went to new depths of despair, new um, crazy tools of injecting money off balance sheet, both for the government and corporations. So so I don't even know. I, I remember we used to watch Greenspan with this briefcase right. so long ago. I um, know. <laughs> there's no briefcase. There's no Greenspan. There's no Bernanke even. It's Yellen. I'm so removed from macro. I consider myself top down, but you know, as, I, as I hit 49, Joe, I'm like more like walk the streets, talk to my kids, uh, talk to other people and with stock twits and Twitter and I even, I even would say Facebook and Instagram, uh, and then watching my kids through their mobile lives. Um, the Fed is, is not, surprisingly to me, not as important as these major technological changes, you know. Um, Such as? Well, for example, like the banks. Oh, my God, you know, too big to fail became too bigger to fail. But in the meantime, you've got Square, you've got Apple Pay, you have Bitcoin, you have uh, startup software right. banks left and right. You have chaos in the financial system, and not bad way, in a good way, right? Like, yeah, right. we saved a few banks. Bank of America seems strong. Goldman Sachs seems really strong. The XLF index is really strong. But yet, despite it all, they're getting disrupted. Um, the old banks are stuck servicing uh, middle America where people still get their their statements, demand their statements by regular mail. Right. So you have, uh, while the Fed's doing what they do, middle America's uh, as good of a client it is for banks, the old banks, you know, the new startups, whether it's Robinhood or, or um, on the brokerage side or, or Bank Simple that got bought or other banks that are trying to start or uh, um, Douala or uh, Square, all these services are starting on the fringe that the, the incumbents can't win. And so, and what I think is going to play out, and I'm way off topic already, but that's cool. That's all right. What I think is going to play out is, you know, people say, ah, well, Schwab and 
E-Trade will buy a Robinhood if it's successful. And it's like, they won't be able to afford a Robinhood if Robinhood's successful. It'll be a Google, an Apple, a Twitter, a Facebook, a Snapchat that gets into the brokerage business. Right. Today, how they, right. um, Bracky was sent a link that Google's getting in the money management business. Uh, it's, an, it's, a, it's a tidal wave. And the Fed, the Fed created definitely some cancers and monsters. And those monsters are, are Apple, Google, the cash that these companies have on their balance sheet overrides everything. So what's so right. weird is we're at this point where people are talking about the Fed and the market's correcting, and I'm stuck. I would just go through my portfolio right now, and it's really thin. Uh, it's Schwab, uh, Nike, really boring, simple idea. Schwab, Nike, Apple, Google, Microsoft. I mean, what a combo. But those have worked. Uh, they continue to work. Everything I've tried in the last six months since February, we were talking earlier, has failed, whether it's solar, you know, uh, component stuff within the – anything speculative right, right. Uh, and interesting has failed. Now, biotech I've just missed. I've been wrong uh, for so long about biotech just because I don't know biotech. You – uh, can delve into a little bit deeper because you don't care about as much what the company does. You care about price and volume and intermediate term trends. So I really miss yeah. the biotech, just got a personal catalyst understanding. I mean, what do you see? I, I think you're saying, does it feel different? It's felt different well, since February because that's when I really got stopped out of some long term trend ideas. Nike's continued to be strong, Apple's continued has bounced and been strong, and Google's been strong. But really, if I look at and Microsoft's had a good year, uh, but it could take three days for those companies to give up 20% if the market really corrects, because that's where the money is hiding. So what do you see right. beyond biotech? Uh, why do you think it could be different? Well, just to finish the point, I mean, the, when you said since February, that basically I think you and I tend to, tr to, to, you catch a lot of great trends in small to mid-cap stocks before they become large caps and the Russell basically topped at the end of February, early March. Okay. So I think yeah. that's, that's a fair reason why you've kept things light, which is smart. But going back to my point of the pattern is that what feels a little bit different this time, you've seen the chart of whenever you lay QE or any sort of easing along the chart of the S&P, when you pull the plug, whether it was QE1 or QE2 or TARP or TALF, even going all the way back to Operation Twist, anytime any QE ends, the market corrects. So a lot of people, and I don't know if it's true or not, I'm not saying it's 100% true, but there is some validity to the fact that when QE starts to wind down or ends, the market has corrected since 2009 since they started pumping in the liquidity from, you know, late 08 into early 09. So my point is that with QE ending or winding down, what feels a little bit different now is that the market's kind of going back to, I don't want to say normal, but where this magical bid is hasn't showed up in the most in this most recent pullback. And to me, some of the selling has felt a little bit too when I watch the tape a lot, like forced liquidation, when I start to see waves and waves of sell programs where in the past, when all these warning signs showed up, it magically, the selling uh, abates and slows down, and then the market gets propped up again. What I'm noticing now so far is that the market is not getting propped up. In fact, when I look at this move, for example, I know a lot of people look at the S&P. We bounced from, I think, what was it on... Uh, the second, so we bounced on October 2nd off of 1925-ish or so, and we bounced into the 50-day. We gave back almost all of that in two days. 
and in the past the market wouldn't give up so much uh, and and again my point being I'm kind of rambling on but my point being that I think the unwinding of QE is that magical bid that's propping up the market it's possible that that's gonna be gone and we might actually go back to a VIX between 15 you know 18 which is not that unheard of and we might actually go back to a little bit more of a volatile market because that that safety net of the Fed might not be there okay cool I, I'll go through some stuff that that I see and then we can kind of verify what we're both seeing um, withdrawals and performance from uh, CTAs was uh, horrific uh, leading into the last three months. And about three, four months ago, I was like, now's the time to get long CTAs. Uh, it's, they're, in, uh, they're in redemption mode, the institutions. Those are uh, trend-following uh, uh, um, firms that have been managing money based on systems around long-term trends, especially around currencies. They were being liquidated en masse three to you know, a couple of years of really horrible returns because of the low volatility. Right. Uh, we're, invest we're investors in eToro and volumes were down. I mean, I have all these other uh, data points that just show uh, either volatility stays at zero or while everybody's redeeming, which the institutions just are like human beings. Uh, they're run by human beings, not by algorithms. They panic the same way as everybody else. I think, you know, starting three months ago, Moving money into CTAs was a good idea. I said so on the stream. Hard to find all these things because we're all talking all day, but that's what I said. You've got the Alibaba issue. You clearly right. define major amount of supply that at some point is going to come on the market in the next six months. Okay, right. No matter how great Alibaba is, these are like new records of supply. Uh, you've got Twitter supply, Facebook supply, you've got endless LinkedIn supply coming uh, in the social space. Um, you have uh, biotech should be running right. Like uh, I forget the the how long it took to, to get the first genome stuff going. That I read somewhere they're doing that stuff in seconds now. So makes sense that biotech's running loose environment. Uh, but what the hell do I want to own companies? It's hard enough owning a, a social media company that has no earnings. Really right. hard betting on companies that may may or not have revenues, and that's just a plain old well, bet. Yeah, if real quick on that growth. on that note, it just depends if you're going with the small cap one hit wonder biotechs or if you're going with the mega cap pipeline of drugs and already have 10, 15 drugs approved. It depends. Sure, That's, no, no so doubt. Depends, and I've, only ever, I've only ever done it through IBB or BBH, so yeah, I agree. But I mean, it's just what a run they've had. Um, wish I had participated more. But they ain't chasing this thing up 500% off off uh, the right, right. OA bombs. Not saying it can't double from here again over the next three to five years in a 10-year run is not impossible, but uh, very hard unless you truly are understand that sector to participate in it other than through ETFs. Because none Correct. of the people that Correct. I talk to know the uh, shit squad about the biotech sector. But in the tech sector, you got BABA. you got China, you got supply, you have... Um, uh, net neutrality stuff. You've got SEC and financial rules that are 50 to 100 years old. You have Mark Andreessen talking his book now uh, for whatever reason, but you have Mark Andreessen basically saying burn rates are too high. Uh, you know, you got to understand how to read them, but definitely uh, following along the lines of uh, Fred Wilson a year ago, who was starting to get conservative and cautious about the venture industry, and then Bill Gurley. 
uh, benchmark about a month ago. Now you have Mark Andreessen piling on. And then you have distribution, like you've noticed in the NASDAQ. So let's, let's talk about what that means. Right. Yeah, no, distribution is defined as professional selling. So I use the NASDAQ composite because rather than the S&P, you have a bigger sample of over 3,000 stocks. So you get a, it's like flipping a coin 10 times or 1,000 times. You want a better distribution of, of numbers. So I'd like to look at the NASDAQ composite. And it, I also believe it's the true leadership index where a lot of the big winners come from. And it from. will be. I will get into that in a little bit. I mean, to look at the Dow... Uh, or the, it's a waste of time. The S&P and the, and the NASDAQ 100 or the NASDAQ are important. I agree. Right. I've always said the Dow is the most publicly watched index. The S&P is the most technically watched. But I personally think the NASDAQ composite is the most important because okay. it's where the leaders come from and it's a larger sampling. So distribution is defined as uh, you look at the day and you look at the previous day. If you have a higher volume down day, that's distribution, which means the big funds, your pension funds, your mutual funds, your hedge funds, the big institutions, um, it's not you and I selling 100, 1,000, 10,000 shares. It's the Fidelities, the Vanguards, the Janices of the world, the big pension funds selling hundreds of thousands, if not millions of shares, and they can't hide their hands, so to speak. It shows up on the tape. So I want to know what the big guys are doing because at the end of the day, they control the market. And when you see big days of one, one or two here and there is not bad, but when you say a big distribution day, meaning a big down day on heavier volume than the previous day. Then you see a rally, like let's look at, um, you know, last week, uh, you see a couple of, I'm just looking at, uh, you know, when people want to pull up their charts, I'm looking at, um, what was it, October uh, the, third, the 30th and then October 1st, there were two big down days on heavy volume. Then last Thursday, Friday, we rallied into the 50-day on lighter volume. So that shows that the institutions are not really committal if they're just a snapback oversold rally, which happens all the time. But then now to see Monday, Tuesday, October 6th and 7th, to be down on heavy volume, and then today the 7th down on heavier volume. So that's just showing that more distribution. In other words, Monday was a down day on heavier volume than Friday, and today, Tuesday, was is a down day on heavier volume than Monday. And now we've had a big cluster of distribution going back to 9-3 uh, was the first distribution day. So I've counted 11 distribution days in the last 25 trading days since the beginning of September. So that's a lot of selling. That. To me, that's what feels different. You're saying what feels different. I mean, when I read that from you today and I called you, it was like 11 out of 25 in a bull market uh, is something to stand up and go, hang on a sec. Yeah, three or four here and there, five over a course of a 20-day, 20 21-day trading month is fine. But it in the past, you'd see three, four, five, and then, like I said, the magical bid comes up. Now, not only is it the magical bid and the bounce off the 50-day not happening, you're seeing additional follow-through selling. And in the past... It doesn't mean it's going to lead to a bear market. It doesn't mean it leads to a crash or anything like that. It just means to get defensive, raise some cash, and it traditionally leads to some sort of a correction. And we're in an environment where people are so used to low volatility, 3%, 4%, oh my God, it's the end of the world. If we have an 8 to 12% correction, which within a big overall uptrend is fine, People are going to freak out because we've, we've been spoiled the last two years with minimal volatility. So it's possible this cluster of distribution 
traditionally in a non-QE market, I even tweeted out, maybe without QE, we're going to go back to the old rules, meaning you actually have a market that corrects, <laughs> that corrects 8 to 12% or more, who knows, but I don't like to get overly bearish. I just, when I see warning signs and the big guys are dumping stock, I get out of their way. That's it, because four out of five stocks move with the general trend of the market. I don't care how amazing the company is. I mean, think of Apple back in 08, 09, one of the most amazing companies about to start an insane product cycle with your iPad and your iPhone. And even the stock went from what, 220 down to 80 bucks? Yeah. In other words, when, when the market's under distribution, even the most amazing companies still get hit because for, because when they're dumping stock, it's, it's indiscriminate. It's four out of five stocks will move with the general trend in the market. And if right now the trend has shifted to a correction slash downtrend, it's hard to fight and swim upstream, so that's why it's worth getting defensive because, um, you know, you're just fighting an uphill battle. Sure, there's one or two here and there, these GoPros here and there that might do okay and fight the trend, but most of the stocks right now are really, uh, you know, are, are really having trouble because of that distribution. GoPro, do you have, do you have, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, we all could have bought that first day in the 20s, maybe 30 uh, to triple. Plus, um, guy, thirty-nine years old, Joe. Do you do you have a GoPro? Is it of interest to you? Do you watch <laughs> Do you watch any of the channels? I mean, I'm amazed by the. I'm amazed. I'm fascinated by the channels and the media potential. Uh, it's one of those stocks that could be one of those green mountain. You know, I think everybody. I'm not saying I'm long the stock. I'm saying what I'm watching on the stream is is a lot of chatter. How it's going to zero, but the the sentiment is very bullish the whole way up. Uh, very few people. Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely hit hit a chord with the, you know, the users are ruling and and uh, it's it's. I think there's a lot of skepticism because Cisco paid 500 million dollars a few years ago for that camera company, little camera company that was made in plastic that you could send a video to YouTube. I forget the name of it already, but it was yeah. like the hottest little camera company. And it did go to zero. They paid five hundred million for it, Cisco. So I think that's still on people's minds, but uh, I, there's no doubt in my mind uh, that this company is for real. Um, and even if it's a fad, what people when you study big winners, there have been fads in the past, like Brunswick in the '60s went up twelve hundred percent because it was a bowling and a pool big fad in the '60s. I mean, and great point, a, great point. A, even if it's a fad like Pokemon or Krispy Kreme, whatever it is in the past, you know, we've seen Lululemon could be a yoga fad. Whatever it is, some of these big winners can go on three, four, five hundred percent or more before they eventually. I'm not saying it's going to zero, but before they eventually collapse, and that's why it. What, what was amazing is right off the IPO, there was an insane amount of negative sentiment on this thing. Camera on a stick, oh, this is a piece of garbage, blah, blah, blah. And then meanwhile, it IPO'd at, well, what was the price? 18, 20 bucks, something like that? No, I remember I had friends flipping into 29 and they were like, told you it was a good IPO. And yeah, 24. It IPO'd at 24, ran to 40. And I because I pay attention to technicals, when you have not only an amazing run, so you could say, okay, fine, there's a lot of hype, but then it just froze there and pulled, put in a technical base, put in an IPO base between 36 and 40, or between 30, whatever, 30, call it 40 to 45. It just runs up from 24 and doubles and then just barely corrects. 
it just barely corrects and everyone the sentiment was this is a piece of garbage this is a fad why is this company worth five billion dollars and then it doubled and more than that off the IPO because uh, the sentiment was extremely negative off the IPO and no different than beats you know GoPro drops 50 percent whether it's Apple Google uh, you know just like where I remember I mean I'm not saying I'm smart enough to always put my money where my mouth is because I invest a lot in illiquid private companies uh, and, and really focus on, uh, you know, six or seven ideas that really I can dig into. And I'm not, a, but I'm looking at two GoPros on my desk, whether we use them enough or not is not the point. I'm looking on two GoPros in my, in my video room uh, with a couple, you know, expensive Canon uh, cameras lying around. So the Canon brand, um, with the with the GoPro brand, one's probably a hundred years old and one's four years old. So uh, they're definitely requiring mind share. Right. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It could be just a huge media potential that we don't even realize. You know, five years from now, whether it's a fad or not, it could actually be a big media. And you know, that's industry way better than I do. But how they integrate the media with YouTube and social media and everything. I mean, it, it could be something that is, in other words, the stock is being bought up in anticipation of it actually potentially sticking around as a, as a as a medium. Yeah. Um, we and going back to the negative points, let's go to what could go wrong. I'm still a believer, and forget the indexes because the S&P is a great way of of balancing itself, and and we have so much money um, in ETF. Uh, pyramiding, meaning you know, month dollar cost averaging. People have gotten smarter, uh, Vanguard type smart, where they're just constantly putting money into their 401ks, and you know, it's so easy now to to save a few bucks mobily, uh, whether it's through Wealthfront or uh, Robinhood, where you can put a couple grand or a couple hundred a month uh, and just start saving, uh, and you can look at your balances, and there's that instant gratification of you know, when I was. When I was 10, my dad handed me my first bank book. It was like I carried around that little bank book, put it in my safe. Um, it was so funny. I had a safe, but if a burglar came in, they would just take the whole safe. So I don't know what I was saving from. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, my little Royal Bank uh, book, and, uh, you know, would type out my balance. Now it's just a flick of my phone, check my balance, move money, save money, invest money. So I think... I'm super bullish. So I, let me just, before I dive into why uh, we could drop 50% here, uh, I'm not saying the averages, but the stocks are already, many stocks are already on their rotating way down 30%. Um, right. The, the super bullish, I am uh, a disciple of smart people. I don't care religion, whatever, just smart. And, um, you know, I follow, you know, Brad Feld, Andy Kessler, Mark Andreessen, Fred Wilson, of course, and, you know, on the market side, you and so many other smart people, but I'm bullish. I, yeah. Glass is half full. Uh, it's very hard to shake me because I'm conservative and I'm just futuristic thinking and technology is unstoppable here, whether it's uh, cameras on a stick or hot dogs on a stick. I'm bullish. Um, now I'm hungry. <laughs> you know what? I'm hungry too, but we could go to Chipotle's or we could go to the new pizza chains that are going to be starting. But you've got this really interesting, you know, like I said, Alibaba, the VCs are, you know, talking their book, but also a little nervous. You've got 11 out of 25 distribution days. Theoretically, QE is going to come to end at some point. You've got internet neutrality. I walked into a Verizon store, Joe, and it was like walking into Russia. Do you <laughs> Verizon or AT&T? 
Uh, you don't even want to know. <laughs> no, I use T-Mobile. <laughs> oh, okay, so T-Mobile, the CEO always reaches out to me when I make fun of Verizon or AT&T. John Le- uh, Zero, so, yeah. yeah, he only follows 80 people. I'm one of them, Joe. Toot my home wow, yeah. that's good. Yeah. The uh, show, I was, I am uh, not loyal, but I'm just on Verizon and I'm just, color me just too impatient. As magical as it is, let, uh, full disclosure, Verizon, AT&T, it's magical. I, I'd pay 500 a month for, because I can afford it, obviously, but I, I'm not complaining about the price of my plan. I, I think I'm underpaying, so I'll, full disclosure, they can charge me more. But the way they charge me, there's so much slippage for a company this size, and the way they treat their customers, right? I walk into a Verizon store at the fancy mall, Fashion Valley Mall, because I go into the Apple store, all excited to get an iPhone 6, and I give them my Verizon information. I go, oh, it's a corporate account. We can't help you. What the hell? Like, I am who, the only place in the world that corporate America doesn't work in the phone business. Everywhere else, you say you're in corporate America, you can slow down everything. But I go in the right. Apple store, and they go, well, you're going to have to go to the Verizon store. That's like saying you go to the detention room of hell. So I go to the end of the mall next to like a <laughs> Korean nail place, and there's like, it's like half no, that's of them. Red- yeah. There's two people in there. There's 60 people lined out the door, and I'm like, why? I don't even want my I, – I, I just want to have a, two shells and talk to people in string. So I get to the front of the line, and there was like – the guy like immediately – and I butted in front of five people saying, you know, I just want to check when my – if I'm eligible for an upgrade, which turned into an hour conversation and so many pitches on like free, I could get a free uh, Verizon uh, iPad, not an iPad, but their own Verizon overstocked, overbuilt um, pad or whatever. Pad, right? Tablet. And, you know, if I'm willing to go from six megabytes of store of uh, Wi-Fi to five, because I'm only really using 5.11, but if, if I'm really careful and only use five, I can get a $300. And I'm like listening to this pitch from a guy with like 17 earrings. And, <laughs> and I said, can I just look at your screen? And I touched his DOS computer. And he had a freak. And he pointed at the blue line. He says, please, sir, get behind the blue line. So so, so that's what makes this me a little nervous. sound like Russia. Yeah, you got to catch. We're, we're not caught up. And so I'm telling the story, and, and T-Mobile CEO hits me up. And I said, listen, if you worked on Coronado, I'd switch in a heartbeat. But, you know, none of these guys can solve my problem, which is I'm willing to pay a premium price, but treat me like a premium customer. And Apple's figured out whether you're uh, speaking English or not, no matter what race, no matter what your weight is, no matter uh, what your wealth is, if you walk in, they get you the product, right? And the only slowdown at the Apple store, which is still going to be a slowdown for the economy, is Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile. They can't keep up with consumers' demands. We were insatiable for broadband, not to the point of Kansas City broadband where they're saying that it's too much to have that problem, but we have an insatiable demand for broadband, and we have an insatiable demand for the truth post-908. So the companies I don't trust, Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, have the most power right now. Forget Goldman, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley. We've already disrupted those companies within our mobile phone disrupted the cab companies, we've disrupted the hotel industry with Hotels Tonight, Uh, we've got Uber, we have uh, apps to pay our bills, we have location-based apps, it's over. 
The only thing we haven't disrupted is how to get all these services. There's three gatekeepers. There's there's uh, there's the Muslims, which is at, let's call them Comcast, uh, the fanaticals, and then they've got the uh, the uh, the uh, let's say the Catholics, the Verizon, and then everybody else, the AT&T, and none of them are servicing their customers like religion. Where do the Amish? Where do the Amish fit in this? Are they still tin, uh, tin, can, said, tin can in a string? <laughs> if, if Verizon said your bills for the last twelve months are three hundred dollars, uh, let's just let's take a let's take a chance. You you pay us five hundred dollars a month, and you'll never you just you just gorge on internet, and we'll we'll see you next year. You know, there's no kind of service that just makes you feel like you're like you're being respected. And not just that. I mean, maybe that's impossible. But the fact that if I look at my Google, Verizon line item, I mean, let's face it, we could argue over every bill. There's so many taxes, etc. And then when I went and finally agreed to get the iPhone 6 upgrade from Verizon store, which was still going to take three weeks to deliver, and I got to go to the Verizon store to pick it up. They won't be delivered in my house because they have to uh, uh, open the package and make me miserable. And when I finally got it, it was like, okay, you, you're eligible, so it's 199 but you have to pay tax on as if it's a retail product. So just the whole experience is like, wait a minute. I'm eligible for $199 product, but you're going to charge me on an $800 product so I can pay the taxes. So so everybody's passing the buck back up to the government. So that, that's my rant on on the gatekeepers. Those are still, and Michael Parekh has taught me this, Those the 11 out of five distribu- 25 distribution days are one thing. Verizon, AT&T, and Comcast are this other beast in the system that have too much control uh, for us to, considering where we are in the market, I'm, I'm nervous. Um, and then final, finally, uh, there's just going to be so much disruption in a good way from all these new mobile growth companies uh, affecting resources and affecting uh, incumbent companies um, for the eventual good. Uh, you can read Andy Kessler at Andy Kessler. He has an amazing, uh, he doesn't write that often, but when he does, it's thoughtful and interesting and makes you think. But he's talking about the fourth wave of uh, technology that we're just on the cusp of, where corporations finally dig in to commit to saving money uh, on technology and just the, the margins it unleashes for everybody. So if you read, he's always super interesting long-term bullish too but he also talks about how you know the the economic cycles are all since the 50s now are all just we don't even really kind of have them we just have booms and then market crashes and then booms and market crashes so um, definitely a guy to read um, but you know going with the real smart thoughts like you have Joe are just the the top of my head thoughts. When I mean, you're a single guy, when you go to the mall, what are you seeing? Like, do you see anything that like gets you excited? No, I mean the only store that's um, ever has anyone in it is the Apple Store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm usually at the food court, anyways, at the mall. So I'm the, I'm the wrong guy to ask. But what's your favorite store at the food court? <laughs> I just go around getting all the samples and <laughs> just walk in. Then I change my outfit and go there's, back. There, the way. There's nothing even good at the like food court anymore. The malls. I mean, I guess there's no, Pinkberry. The uh, where are you spending most of your time? By coastal. Uh, yeah, no, I'm in New York and I'm I'm out in California because I have clients there as well. So. Um, but I'm mostly in New York, um, and um, there's no malls in New York, really. So, 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 so what? So let's let's conclude with what we're seeing on the market. You're defensive. You were really uh, starting to get 
you're really starting to see some upside stuff a month ago, but you've quickly turned just because you've been chopped at it, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and to kind of stress your point about, I mean, I'm longer-term bullish, and I've said I still think that over the next year or two, we will still get to that old NASDAQ composite high from March of 2000, you know, 5,100 or so. But I've where said... Are we, where are we at now? Where are we at now? For about 44, 43.85 we closed today, so 4,400. Yeah. And, you know, we're not too far off the highs. I think we had 4,600. But the point is... Um, of course, I'm not stupid. We're not going to go straight up. We have gone straight up for a while uh, since the 09 lows. I mean, we're looking at 1,500, looking at a triple from 1,500 to roughly 4,500. But I still think we'll get there. But there will be corrections along the way. There will be shakeouts. There will be, you know, I don't think, I think the financial system is sound enough that we're not going to go into any sort of severe bear market. At least I hope not. But, you know, what's wrong with an 8 to 12% correction? And then we'll, but the problem is, as they say, every 20% correction starts as a 5% correction. So I don't take these things lightly. I mean, I manage money for clients and my goal is to protect the assets so I have to get defensive for them because I'm an active manager if they were in a passive product you know you ride the 30% up you ride the 30% down I'm trying to avoid that because a lot of the money I manage is retirement money and I need to get defensive because this is their retirement but um, to your point about you know, I am bullish longer term. There are some amazing entrepreneurial companies out there. You don't want to bet against these companies, and they will shine. However, you know, they I tend to trade that momentum and those trends as you do when the market wind is at your back, and when the wind is swirling, or it's like you're spitting into the wind and it's it's in, in your face. It's hard to really get the momentum behind that. So I need to get defensive. I've, I've always said the market's healthy two to three times a year identify when it's healthy and take advantage of it. Right now, it's not that healthy. So that's where you raise cash and you save it for a better time when it's healthy and you protect your ca capital, you protect most importantly, people underestimate the importance of protecting your confidence because you don't want to get rattled and get crushed and then when we actually do bottom and there's some good opportunities, your your morale and your confidence is shattered. By protecting your capital, they kind of go hand in hand. You protect your confidence so that when we do bottom and we do have another great uptrend, which we will have, I don't know when, but coming out of this correction, we will have a great uptrend, and you protect your uh, capital and put some money to work when, when things look a little bit better. But um, going back to the market, I still think uh, I, I did put on my blog that after that snapback Tuesday, Thursday, Friday of last week, what the bulls need to see is having those gains hold up and the fact that we gave it all back in two days on Monday Tuesday shows that it didn't hold up in addition there's just less and less leadership right now and I and at least we get down to the 200 day on the S&P which is I mean we're 1935 which is around 1900 and then we see what happens from there I mean there'll be some rallies along the way but I just right now I want to stay out until we get a, a little bit more health and a clearer picture and most importantly the selling stops and it has it hasn't it hasn't let up in fact it accelerated Monday Tuesday of this week so yeah so I'll, I'll end by saying yeah if we got away with just two more percent before that I can't believe we're at two percent doesn't even feel like we've corrected and we're only two percent from the 200 day um, so I just I don't think we get off that easy I, I think I can't say talk about the indexes, but I can't, I would not be shocked theoretically at 12 to 1500, giving up uh, a lot of these gains quickly on the S&P. So so let's say 12 to 1500 point correction or no, I'm talking to the, the I'm talking 
I'm talking 40 to 50%, so 12 to 1500 on the S&P, and I know oh, that wow. won't happen, and I'm not betting that, but uh, wouldn't no, you could, but that's an aggressive call. <laughs> yeah, I just I never make those calls, but I just feel like uh, from what I'm seeing and some of the, the activity in the system uh, and the fact that if I do my work well, which got me out a lot in February of liquid stuff, I'd be crushed and in 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 private stuff, but that's just the business. Um, but I've been investing very lightly for the last six months, just because, you know, what I see with my own two eyes. And again, I don't trade the averages, so I don't know how the S and P the S and P is pretty. No, I don't either. I just know a lot of people like to follow it, so I kind of mention the levels, even though personally I think it's useless and it's garbage because I don't care where the S and P is. I care where my stocks are. But right now, you know, the leaders are not breaking down, but there's just very little leadership. And the other thing I forgot to ask, add is. As I follow option flow, institutional option flow, the big thousand, five thousand contracts that are flowing through, mm -hmm. it has just dried up in the last three weeks. Which not which kind of coincides if the institutions are some of them, you know, the big institutions will use options for leverage or instead of buying five hundred thousand shares, they'll buy five thousand contracts, whatever. Even not only has the distribution happened, but the big flow of option activity, especially the bullish flow, has just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And that's another sign because you really do, it's just an added piece of the pie. It's just an added piece of the puzzle where you want to pay attention to that. And when they're not putting big money to work, again, it's, it's not getting overly bearish or end of the world stuff. It's just... A reason to be cautious. I don't. I'm like you. I don't like to predict whether this is going to be five, ten percent, or more. I just know it's not that healthy now. And when I have dipped my toe in the last couple weeks as a trader, it's just like a shark just chews your toe off, like your whole foot off. I mean, you can't even dip in lightly without, you know, with, I mean, it's been very, very difficult. So I just say, you know what, it's best to sit out right now, raise some cash and wait for a healthier time. The market's not going anywhere. We're going to, you know, the good, the good news is coming out of this. We're going to have an amazing new uptrend. And that's what I used to get so bummed out when these markets would correct. But I've been around the block enough trading 18 years. It's time where it goes up and you take advantage and then you accept there's going to be times when it corrects and you protect yourself and don't get punched in the face and keep your guard up and the great thing is to keep a positive spin on this is you want you you know we will have an amazing uptrend coming out of this you just have to be patient that's all any new voices that uh, interest you as far as uh, people, people on the stream that, yeah new people creeping into your head that you go oh, okay smart um no, I mean, I know that Wall Street Jesus guy, he tweets a lot of the option flow he, on stock twits, and he has a pretty big following. Um, you know, I don't know who he is, but, you know. Jesus, for Christ's sake. It's Jesus, so I don't I don't need to know Jesus. I, I just you bet against find, Jesus? No, yeah, Wall yeah, Street Jesus, Jesus and he changes him. his avatar a lot, but, you know, talent is talent. Oh, he's an amazing eye uh, for, that's part of the, I should give him credit, that's part of the one of the guys I follow with the institutional option flow. And he's been tweeting, not only has there been a lot of put buying, but he's like, this is dead, guys. He's like, this is, you know, this is just non-existent. So, um, you know, an options option Hawks is another one I follow who, you know, he's, I've been following him for years and say he's been saying the same thing, kind of confirming that there's just not much option flow, which is again, part of the market. It's important to follow that. So, um, but other than that, I don't know. Um, and I mean, I've been following the same guys for a while and I don't know if any new people have really creeped up, you know, you turn on your machine, you want to catch up quickly. 
beyond stock twits where in twitter where is there three or four people you got those i can trust them to catch me up mm, i don't trust anyone no I'm kidding <laughs> you have um, your own pattern and is it more about going to your own uh, internal terminal of stuff that you use or is there so so for me it's just turn on my stream and i'm caught up yeah, I mean, I, I use MarketSmith, and I can just get a quick overall feel with a quick screen of 50 type of leaders and looking at the major averages, look at the Russell, Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, look at 50 leaders, charts of those, you know, your Netflix, your Teslas, and I mean growth leaders just to see what they look like. That's That right there in 10 minutes can catch you up. I mean, you know, like the guys I mentioned, OptionHawk, Wall Street Jesus, there's a couple other ones that, you know, I've mentioned that more for the option flow because I've added that as another part of my my repertoire but as far as just strict price and volume look at 10 20 30 liters your apples whatever I think you get a good feel for the market if they're above their 50 days if there's volume coming in look at the weekly charts that's a pretty good John Borman's another great guy who's very patient and follows the longer-term trends and stresses weekly charts plus you he know. has a good accent which makes him triple. <laughs> yeah anything said with a British He'll, accent is is more credible as far as the regular it's Oktoberfest so so we'll see you in a few weeks this is a yep. great, it made me feel a little better to just catch up on the market I feel like uh, the reason you do work every day is for the two or three days a year, forget or weeks a year, where your preparation matters. You know, half yeah. the time you build lists and nothing happens throughout the day or week. And I'm pretty excited that I feel like I'm going to have an opportunity. Uh, not that I'm looking to buy Nike down three percent or five percent because I already have a position and I feel like it's expensive. But I'm hoping that some names that uh, or Schwab or even Apple or Google. Not looking for a three percent correction there. I'd be looking more for thirty percent corrections right before I'd be getting excited again. So I don't see I'm going to get my chance in this correction. There's a lot of money hiding out there. But whether it's uh, some some second tier brands in that space, whether it's a Lulu or whether it's uh, you know uh, a food company or whether it's who um, oh, I don't know yet, but I'm starting to 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 build a list again. And you know I'm, I feel like Gregor. You know, I'm really nervous about the next bull market, which will probably be in the grid. And then, uh, as I say, earth, wind, and fire will come back into being cool again. Uh, there's only one category other than biotech that makes me more nervous is trying to understand those those trends um, yeah. because I don't understand the catalysts other than macro catalysts. So, so I worry about that just from my own uh, knowledge. I'm 49, and I don't want to learn new tricks. But this next bull, which will be driven by tech, uh, and and obviously mobile, so I think I'm okay. But uh, it's going to be in a whole new area, and uh, so people better get ready for that as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And there, that's the other the other piece of advice is you always want to keep a list of the stocks that don't get hit, because that just shows the institutions. Even when they are dumping stock, they tend to keep the ones they really believe in and want to hang on to. Just like you're keeping, you know, you're hanging on to your Nikes and Schwabs and the ones you really do like, and they're holding up well. And the institutions, you want to pay attention to the ones that are holding up well, because when we do come out of this, and it could be a few weeks, could be a few months, who knows how long it'll take. But when we do come out of this, you keep a good list because those are tend to be your leaders coming out of this and it could be you know mobile related social related whatever we we'll wait and see uh, but that's that's the other thing is be ready to pounce when things you know we get a clearer picture but for now as bullish as I am longer term I, I just am more cautious over the near term just because of mainly one thing which is the price action all right buddy you're the man hey uh, thanks for having me it was fun
I think audio is the new video. We didn't swear once on this. We didn't have to pull up a chart, motherfucker. <laughs> we didn't have to do anything. And I didn't make one ethnic joke. Well, maybe one. I think I made a couple. And, okay. But you weren't offended at any point during this podcast. I, it takes a lot to offend me, so I'm good. You motherfucker. I don't know why my kids like you, but you're number one. <laughs> hey, man. you're my fourth favorite Lindsay. I've always told you that. <laughs> okay, bro. Talk soon. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.